Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you apply to a particular school being highlighted in a given episode, you should listen to all of them, as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Don't forget to visit our website, www.collegeadmissionstalk.com, or the show notes of each episode to access the alphabetical list of all the colleges available with the related audio link to the right of each school. The alphabetical list provides you with on-demand access to all of the episodes so that you may listen whenever you wish. And if you want to receive links to episodes before they are released on the podcast, along with other related resources, please fill out the email opt-in form also available on our website and in the show notes of each episode. Lastly, please email me with any questions or comments at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to the CAP, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today four admissions representatives from four different international schools. Now, everyone will speak generally about each other's schools, so it gives me a great honor and pleasure to introduce Mubarak Ibrahim, who's an international recruitment manager for the United States. He represents the University of Southampton, of course, in the UK, and he's based out of Des Moines, Iowa. I also want to introduce Amanda Lumberg, who's the regional manager for North America for the University of Roehampton in London. She's based out of Southern California. Also, we have today Chelsea Weaver, North America Western Regional Representative for University College Dublin, of course, based in Ireland. And she herself is based out of Seattle, Washington. And we also have Emma Schwartz, who's the senior regional manager for all of North America. She represents James Cook University in Australia, and she's based out of Southern California. I just want to welcome everyone. I'm really excited about this episode. It's the first time that we're having a panel discussion for international schools. And the international students, by the way, in this case, are the students from the United States. So really happy to have you. Let's get started. First question for Mubarak. What would you say are the key benefits of studying abroad, particularly for those students based out of the United States? Thank you for having us. Um, it's truly, um, we're truly excited to be on this podcast and we've heard so much about it. So thank you um, for for having us here. So there's several different key benefits for students studying abroad, uh, particularly for students from the US. Um, there's cultural exposure um you get to immerse yourself in a different culture and it really does provide a unique opportunity to broaden someone's perspective and their understanding of the world as well as exposing them to different 
diverse customs and traditions and various language languages from across the the world and you know you really do become a cultural competent person as you kind of progress through your degree and into the so-called real world or, or real nine to five working um you also get to build a, a global network you you really do connect with people from all over the world um if from your lectures to people that you meet socially or people that you work with outside of the university you really get to network and uh, with so many different people from all over the world um there's plenty of different academic opportunities as well um you get to access some unique academic programs that may not be available in the US um as well as the different teaching styles that you certainly do get between the US and the UK is very different and again the same for uh, Ireland and Australia as well is very different nuances that are very particular to to our countries and to our universities as well um you are spending a number of years abroad as well by yourself living independently in a in a different country <laughs> um and you, you really do grow as a person um when you're having to kind of figure figure life out by yourself um you know you're thousands of miles away from home and it is a scary scary thing uh, but it really does help you grow and and you become a lot more resilient um and more confident in in your skills and abilities um and you also adapt to some of those new environments and challenges you there are plenty of different career advantages as well um you know having an international education or international experience on your on i will say cv or resume um can really make a candidate uh, stand out in in a really competitive job market um you you i feel you sometimes a lot more well rounded as a as, as a person and then you know lastly just to touch upon another point you know you, you kind of expand those academic um options and you've got access to more specialized programs and fields fields of studies with experts with you know well renowned um professors and researchers that you really have um, at your disposal well we really appreciate that cultural exposure immersing yourself throughout the world exposure to various languages and of course those unique academic programs which we're going to hear more about while also building a global network. So, I'm going to turn to you now, Chelsea. How would you say your university supports the cultural and academic integration of international students into your campus community? Yeah, this is a a very important question. Um and I will say that all of our universities have a history of welcoming students from all over the world. Um, but of course, I'm going to use UCD as an example, um, just to go into a little bit more detail here. Um, UCD has the largest population of international students uh, on any campus in Ireland, uh, which is part of why we are known as Ireland's global university. So, just to give you an idea of our student population, 31 percent. Uh, which equates to over 10,000 students on campus um, are from outside of Ireland, and that's a total of 152 nationalities on campus. Uh, our student and faculty population is a beautiful reflection of the city of Dublin in the sense that it's very, very international. 
We have a long history of welcoming and supporting students from all over the world, and our students are largely supported by UCB global staff and our global guides who are trained peers, um, and they are all highly skilled in the areas of student support and event management. Our global team hosts various cultural events in our global lounge over the course of the academic year. And these events are inclusive of international and domestic students. And I know that each of our universities have something like a global lounge on campus. UCD's global lounge is a multifunctional space which enables students, staff, and the wider UCD community to build connections with each other and the world around them, of course. The space is an expression of UCD's commitment to global engagement and the activities which take place in the lounge serve to enhance the global culture of UCD. We also have an international student society, uh, which is similar to a club in the U.S., and this society welcomes students from everywhere. UCD provides a range of academic supports for students throughout their time at UCD. So whether students need additional assistance due to disability, or they'd like to learn a new language or improve their academic English, or want to get the right start on their career pathway, we have the supports that you need. And I know I'm speaking for all of our universities here as well. Hmm. Well, that's terrific. I really appreciate that overview. And Emma, I'm going to turn to you. Can you provide an overview of your most popular academic programs and majors that your university is known for? Absolutely. We are all comprehensive universities with a wide range of programs and research opportunities. JCU, UCD, University of Roehampton, and the University of Southampton all have high quality programs in the sciences, arts, and humanities. It really is hard to just choose one program, but I'd like to speak on a few programs that are similar and excellent choices at our university, then go into a few standout programs that we'd like to highlight. JCU and Southampton boast some of the best marine bio programs in the world. Along with some crossover with liberal arts at Roehampton and UCD, which also have excellent programs in those subjects. The individual standout programs at our universities, specifically at the University of Roehampton, Education and Dance, University College Dublin, sustainability that has crossover amongst colleges of business, science, and social sciences. JCU has fantastic program in zoology and ecology. And Southampton has engineering, in particularly the aeronautics and aerospace engineering realm, civil engineering, mechanical engineering, all ranked very high in the UK. Southampton also has earth and marine science, which are also highly ranked. All the programs I just mentioned are great options for students coming from the United States and all over the world, since they really do give students a wide range of research opportunities and get to build that global network just in your classroom, talking to your professors and your fellow students. Well, that's amazing. All of your schools are comprehensive universities with multiple research opportunities. You mentioned so many strong programs, including, but not limited to, the sciences, humanities, you talked about your marine science programs, liberal arts, and all kinds of engineering programs. So academically speaking, it definitely sounds like there's something for everyone. So we really appreciate that, Emma. Amanda, I'm going to turn to you. I was curious, 
what is the student life experience like at your universities and what kinds of extracurricular activities and organizations are available to students to help foster that sense of community and engagement? Yeah, sure, John. So, of course, that's just as important as the academics, you know, making sure that students have a home away from home and that they do feel that sense of community. Um, so there's there's lots of ways that students can get involved on campus. Um, there's lots of um, clubs and societies, which societies is just kind of a fancy way of saying clubs abroad. Um, but those range hugely from academic societies, cultural societies, special interest societies. So at Roehampton, we have um, a really cool volunteering opportunity where you can get involved. We call it Grow Hampton, um, and it's a sustainability <laughs> project, um, which students and staff, they get involved with our on-campus. Um, it's a it's a garden that they can get involved with growing fruit and vegetables. We also have some mm. hens, some chickens that they <laughs> help um, raise, and all of the fruit and veg and even the eggs that the chickens lay um, are all used in a local cafe on the campus, which is kind of cool. So wow. that's one way that they can get involved, which is kind of cool. Um, but yeah, even like the societies, like we have a roller skating society, which is really cool. So there's loads of ways to meet people, which is very, you know, really uh, just a great way to, to, to meet your fellow students and staff members. Um, but also, you know, we have student unions on campus where students, you know, that's that's a way to get involved with student politics, but also the student unions there to take care of students, students for students. Um, but other volunteering opportunities, um, not just on campus, but in the local area. Um, also sports, of course, you know, if you don't just, you don't have to give up sports when you go abroad, even though we don't have collegiate sports um, internationally the same way we do here in the U.S., there's not you know, division sports, you're not going to, you're not going to be on TV when you play sports, of course. <laughs> um, there's no, you know, no D1 sports over there, but, um, but at least you can still play, you can still compete in just in a different way, which is great. And there are U.S. sports abroad. There's also European sports, worldwide sports, which is great. So you, you might even learn something new, which is great. Um, also, one thing to kind of know, which not a lot of Americans know, we get asked this all the time. My colleagues will be nodding along with me here in a minute. Hmm. We have no fraternities and no sororities abroad. <laughs> That's a big one that not a lot of Americans know. Um, but what we like to say is, why would you have Greek life when you can go to Greece? You know, that's, it's insane. Greece is a much cooler spot than being able to join a sorority or, fr or fraternity. Um, but more than that, Mubarak, he mentioned this at the beginning, one of the benefits of studying abroad is being able to travel. You know, you're already in another country experiencing another culture. Um, but that's one of like the number one extracurricular activity is to be able to go to another country and experience another culture. So that's that is a huge one. Um, and then I guess finally, it's just be having being able to work part of being in another, you know, studying in another country, part of your visa, typically you can work in that country and you'll be able to get real work experience in another country before you come home. Um, so that's another way to get involved in a, in your local community and, and something else to raise the profile of your, of your resume before you return home. But yeah, lots of ways to get involved and create a new community. Well, that's terrific. And I like that you emphasize fostering that home away from home feel. You talked about your societies, which are like our, obviously, student organizations here in the United States. So not only do you have those societies, you have multiple athletic opportunities, but you hit the nail on the head where one of the biggest benefits, I would imagine, of course, is the travel opportunities and really immersing yeah. yourself in all of those different cultures, which 
you know, in terms of having a student grow, um, I, I can't imagine anything better. You know, many of the students that go to schools here in the United States, the colleges talk about their study abroad opportunities. And sometimes it's during the winter recess. It might be for a semester, but to truly immerse yourself for a couple of years in another culture, what an opportunity. It really is yeah. something that uh, is, is certainly special. So Mubarak, I'm going to come back to you if you don't mind. Could you walk us through the typical application requirements for international students? And are there any unique documents or qualifications that international students should be prepared to submit? And what is your approach to the admissions process, particularly in terms of the criteria and factors considered when reviewing applications from international students, mainly here in the United States? And are there any specific challenges or nuances that these students should be aware of during that application process? As a, it's a very long one, and honestly, this could be an entire episode by itself. It can, thank you. <laughs> it really can. Uh, you've opened up a whole can of worms here. Um, but no, it's, it, it is pretty um, straightforward. Um, it sometimes can be a little bit complicated. There's lots of moving parts to it, and each of our institutions are slightly different, but we all follow a very similar structure. Um, but we, a lot of us will, it's very kind of non-holistic compared to, to the US, but we're also very transparent in what we require. College admissions in the US can sometimes, you know, feel like a lottery system um, just because you're at the top of your class, you're a valedictorian mm. um, at your high school and you're involved in all of these extracurricular activities. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean for us that you'll get into your dream university or your you know, dream college, for example. Um, we do require certain entry requirements and that can be a stumbling block um, for some students because now all of a sudden there's a, there's a requirement that they have to, have to meet. But oh, honestly, it is, it is very achievable. Um, so with Southampton, we, um, and also for Roehampton, we use what is called UCAS in the UK, which is the University and Colleges Admission Service, uh, which is similar to the Common App, which um, Roehampton also use, and also um, UCD both use the Common App. Um, and then for, for JCU, UCD and Roehampton, there is um, direct applications as well. So we all kind of, there or thereabouts, very um, similar in that. But UCAS um, mainly is is what Southampton would use. And you basically, you get to apply to five different universities or five courses. That's one of the big differences with the UK. It's you're applying for the course or your program and not the university. We just happen to do the, the program that you're interested in. So you get to uh, pick five of those uh, programs across five, up to five different universities. And, and there are certain deadlines that students have to meet throughout um, throughout the cycle. So generally applications on UCAS will open in the first week or so of September, give or take, and that's when students can really start applying, but they can really start submitting their, their geographical, biographical information, educational history from as early as May or June. Um, so they, the portal will open, you log in, you start inputting all, all of the details. Now, there is an early deadline for some subjects um, like medicine, dentistry, vet sciences. Um, that's much earlier 
in uh, that deadline should be around October 15th or 16th, so pretty much the middle of October. And that also includes applications to Oxford or Cambridge as well. So it's one of those, it's, it's pushed really, really early. The equal consideration deadline is the end of January. So it's the 31st of January um, for students who are looking to start in, in the fall. And that really is the final deadline where we will consider all applications that have come in at that point equally. Now, we still accept applications afterwards, but it, we will prioritize those that have come in before that final um, deadline. Um, for for Southampton in particular, what we are looking for are standardized tests, and I know that is a is a hot topic at the moment in in US <laughs> education. Um, but that that is one of the um, kind of main criteria that we're looking at: APs, SAT, ACT um, scores, and that's something that students have to be aware of when they're looking at studying in the in the UK or or abroad. Is looking at those entry requirements um, and making sure that they know what the university expects, because we're not all going to have the same requirements. Unlike the Common App, um, there isn't a fee per uh, application that you make. It's just one set standard fee that UCASTLE set, and that's approximately about $35. So for $35, you get to apply to up to five universities. That's $7 is cheaper than a Starbucks in, in most cases. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> So um, it is. It is kind of. Um, it, it, there's a lot of moving parts within it, and obviously there is the the visa element. Right. Students have to um, start looking at, at their visas and going through the whole federal and um, governments of all the forms, and you're just completely inundated with lots of information that you have to input and send, and appointments to go down and give biographical. Um, information like fingerprints so there's there's a there's a lot of moving passes as i've said um there's also for for most of us um i will say is deposits as well so there is a, a deposit that students do have to um that pay um after they or during that time when they have accepted there's a there's a deposit that's also involved so that's something that students have to be um aware of but as i say we we're all completely transparent and it's all on our website you know if you go onto any any website it will have the information that that you require and we have the particular departments and teams that will that will support students throughout that process i want to welcome back sean patel who's the ceo and founder of prep expert sean thank you so much for being here how are you Doing well. Thanks for having me, John. Just wanted to do a quick shout out for an amazing deal that we have for college admissions process podcast listeners. We're offering 30% off all prep expert SAT and ACT courses and tutoring. It's live online. We've got the best score improvement guarantees in the industry. You'll get taught by 99th percentile instructors. And you can save 30% off when you go to the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Grab your discount code for 30% off and click the link in the show notes. Thank you, Sean. So great to have you again. And to everyone out there, best wishes with the college search. Well, that's terrific. And you mentioned how your application is non-holistic, 
which is opposite to many colleges and universities in the United States, but you're extremely transparent where you, the students, are applying for the program you're interested in, not necessarily the specific school. In fact, if I have this correct, you're applying to five different universities as opposed to just one. Is that correct? That's correct, yeah. So you could, in in theory, apply to both Southampton, Roehampton, and three other schools in the UK. Um, and we will, obviously, you then get to decide. You Students do really have the power. Um, that they, they have the power to decide um, where they want to go. And, you know, when we, when we give you an offer, those offers will usually come in the form of a conditional or an unconditional offer. And the, the difference is that, you know, because of our entry requirements, we've looked at your, your grades and say, as long as you meet this grade requirement for across these subjects and you have a, a, a place at our university. And that is a binding contract at that moment. Once we've given mm. you an offer, we won't be able to re- retract it. Um, you are able to withdraw. So the power up until you know, up until you begin, that power very much is in is in your hands the, the entire way. Well, thank you so much, Mubarak, for that comprehensive explanation. We really appreciate it. And I always put the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the show notes. If anyone has additional resources that you want to share with the students and the parents, just send them to me. And of course, I'll make your links available in the show notes of the podcast episode. So Chelsea, back to you. Could you tell us what financial aid or scholarship opportunities are available for international students? And can you elaborate on any merit-based or even need-based scholarships specifically for those international applicants? Of course. So to start with, unfortunately, need-based scholarships are not offered internationally, at least in our represented countries of Ireland, the UK, and Australia. This is different at American universities abroad, such as American University of Paris or American University of Rome. The U.S. Department of Education restricts grants, so they can only be used in the U.S., so the ability to accept grants is outside of our university's control. We recognize how unfortunate this is, and our teams are constantly seeking ways to improve upon this. However, the good news is all of our universities offer automatic merit-based scholarships, and some are very generous. I'll give an example of a scholarship that applicants must apply for at UCD. Uh, We offer a number of global excellence scholarships to students from North America every single year, and these are 50 to 100 percent of tuition, and they're also renewable every year. Of course, these scholarships are highly competitive and prestigious, but we do award more than a handful of these scholarships every year. 89% of our North American applicants were awarded some form of a scholarship for the 2023-2024 academic year. Most of these were in the form of a smaller international student scholarship, so that automatic merit scholarship that I mentioned earlier. These at UCD are anywhere from 2 to 10,000 euro, and again, they are renewable each year. I'll give an example, and we'll talk a little bit more later about uh, cost differences between, you know, um, pursuing a degree abroad versus in the U.S., Um, but just to give an example right now. So let's say a student has been accepted to one of UCD's social science majors, 
um, their tuition for the upcoming academic year is about $24,500. Okay. That's just doing a concurrent conversion from Euro to US dollars. And if they are awarded a 5,000 Euro international student scholarship, this brings their tuition down to under $20,000 a year. So $19,200, which as we know, is extremely competitive compared to the US. Our tuition is inclusive of all fees related to academics. So I'm speaking of any lab fees, books, no hidden student levies, etc. And I'm pretty sure this goes for all of our universities. And then lastly, I'll add that all of our universities are on FAFSA and accept U.S. federal loans. And a fun fact that most people wouldn't know, there are over 700 international universities on FAFSA. Well, thank you so much for that information. The info specific to the tuition is really important. Definitely extremely competitive compared to schools right here in the United States. So we appreciate that, Chelsea. And Emma, how does your university support international students in terms of internships and job placements? And are there specific career services tailored to the needs of international graduates? This is a great question, John. It is so important for students to have career resources available in this competitive job market and coming back with an international degree to their home country. We all have robust career offices with advisors who have experience working with international students who may be looking to return home after graduation or even better, find a job in country that they've studied and began to love and work on a post-study work visa. Uh, This is available in some countries and we all are happy to provide more information on these post-study work visas if our universities and countries offer that. There are many career and global networking opportunities through our programs as well. For example, JCU offers research opportunities on the Great Barrier Reef. Imagine putting that on your resume. Also, some international universities have placement years in the industry. Since many international degrees are only three years in length, Some students can opt to be placed in a job for a year. So this makes their degree about four years in length. Students are still graduating alongside their friends in the United States, and many students are hired out of their years in the industry. So not only are you working for potentially a top global company, but you are placed and able to work in that company by your university. So what can be better than that? You're coming home the same age as your colleagues, graduating from U.S. universities, and you have this incredible opportunity to put on your resume. Students can also work both on and off campus with a lot of student visas in specific countries. I can speak on in Australia, students can work on our campus at JCU or in the cities that we're based. Now let's talk about how these specific opportunities and the wide range of opportunities available at our universities are a great resume builder for students to be set apart in a pile of resumes. I mean, could you imagine a, you know, a top global company, a company in your hometown going through all these resumes and you have gained an international degree and all the skills through your experiences, not only studying abroad, but working abroad a lot of the times. 
students are more focused in their degree paths. Since some of our degrees are three years in length, you are in a concentrated area from year one. You have department advisors that know you and get to know your goals for your career since the day you start in your first year. Last but not least to touch on, students are truly a part of a larger global network. Once they've graduated, their connections truly span across countries. And what better way to start your career journey and achieve your goals quicker by going abroad for your degree and really having the support and the opportunities available to you wherever you choose? Well, you're absolutely right. You can't beat that global experience. You're going to have that international degree and especially if you have the opportunity to work overseas, that's definitely something that's going to make you stand out amongst uh, other candidates. So we really appreciate that. And back to you, Amanda, what could you tell us about housing options that are available for international students? And are those options available for the students throughout their entire time abroad? Or does something shift there? Whatever you could share with us would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, I feel really lucky. I feel like I I got the fun questions, you know, the extracurriculars <laughs> and the housing. I don't, I drew the long straws. Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, um, something I don't know if we mentioned right off the bat, by the way, is that all, all of our all of our universities offer three year degree programs. I don't know if we've said that yet. We so in the hmm. U.S. we have four year degrees, but abroad a lot of universities abroad offer three year degree programs. So we do offer housing across all three years typically. Um, so students can live on or off campus, obviously, um, all three years if they want to. Um, they can even live on campus as postgraduate students or even as PhD students. At Roehampton, we have different kinds of housing depending on the year that you're in, whether you're a first-year student or a post-grad student, a continuing student, or you know whether you're a mature student or a young student, there's all kinds of different housing. So that's the good news. So depending, you know, whatever kind of different student you are, you can live on campus. Um, and you're not, you're not um, required to live on or off campus either. There's no restrictions there, which some U.S., I know a lot of U.S. schools either require you to live on campus or off, depending on if you're international or not. Um, some cool things about housing, especially in the U.K., but also amongst other international schools, um, is that on-campus housing is more like apartment style rather than dorms. So one very important feature of this is that we all have single occupancy bedrooms. So the, what that means is there is not a bunk bed in sight. No bunk beds. <laughs> Everyone has their own space. They have their own private bedroom. They're not sharing with a single soul. Um, and I think that makes a huge difference to hmm. the college experience when you don't have to share with anyone. Um, so that's that's the number one difference, I think, in, in the housing experience. Um, the other thing is that all of our housing typically has shared kitchens. So they do, students do save a lot of money with housing abroad, um, just cooking for themselves. Um, you know, we do usually have, you know, other food options for students who don't like to cook for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a great way to get to know people. You know, you get to know your flatmates when you're in the kitchen together. Even if you're not necessarily cooking a meal together, you're in there cooking together. Um, so that makes a big difference as well. Um, typically, housing is guaranteed for international students um, if you apply by a certain deadline. So that's that's also really key that we we know international students are not going to have a chance to um, come over and visit necessarily. So we will guarantee you know a, a room for them if they apply by the deadline. 
Um, the other thing to note too is that we offer um, ensuite or semi-ensuite bathrooms. So they could end up with a private bathroom as well. So not only do they have their own room, they could have their own bathroom as well. So there's a lot of privacy. We really do treat students as adults, not just as you know, 18 year olds that just left mom and dad. They are, we do treat them as adults, which I think is um, very different from the freshman experience here in the US. <laughs> um, and then finally, I suppose just something to note with, with our housing is that all the bills are included in the cost. We don't charge students separately. And then uh, I suppose similarly to uh, dorms here in the US, we have um, flat reps, which are like RAs that will help with anything the students might need while they're living on campus. But we do have our accommodation offices help with, you know, looking for rooms on campus, looking for rooms off campus, whether they're on site or, you know, in the local community. But yeah, lots of differences there hmm. for, for US students when they're looking for housing. Well, I appreciate you giving an overview of all of the housing options and comparing the housing options not only to U.S. schools, but also comparing the housing options to those here in the United States. And I also appreciate how you emphasize that studying abroad, it's a three-year degree program as opposed to the typical four-year program here in the States. So thank you so much. Guys, this has been a phenomenal conversation. But before I get to the last question, I do need to ask, is there a question I didn't ask or a topic I didn't bring up that you'd like to address or share with our listeners at this point? Thank you so much, John. It has been such a great experience to tell you and your listeners about international education and something we are truly passionate in. We'd like to touch on a few more topics uh, and some that we've already mentioned a little bit. So we talked a little bit about UCAS and the application processes at our universities. Specifically, I want to highlight that the UCAS is the United Kingdom application process. You can apply to five different universities on that application. Our other university applications, such as James Cook University Australia, are direct applications. So you are applying directly through our website, and we can offer you guidance, such as myself, a how-to guide and video on exactly how to apply and really make the process smooth for you. And I know all my colleagues here do. And University College Dublin, you can apply to four programs. And they are on the common application, along with University of Roehampton being on the common application. Again, thank you for allowing us to provide more resources to you and your listeners as well, so we can help them through the application journey. We really want this process to be as smooth and positive as possible and debunk any of those questions and myths about studying internationally. I do want to touch on really quick the locations once again of our universities. Uh, James Cook University is located in tropical North Queensland. It's just a boat ride away from the Great Barrier Reef and truly one of the most magical places on earth. So I, hmm. I genuinely think that it would be a great option for students. All of our universities are located in incredible cities with so many opportunities to diversify your experience through your academics and your social experience. I mean, from London to Southampton, to Dublin, how can you go wrong with any of these places to study? And I'll pass it off to Amanda to touch on a couple of other things we'd like to talk about. Yeah, so I just wanted to clarify as well um, around student visas. So this is something we touched on briefly. Um, when you're an international student from the U.S. studying abroad, um, most countries will require students to have a visa to study 
abroad. Um, the there is there are some exceptions to this. Um, you don't you don't need a visa to study in Ireland, which is fantastic. You know, go to go and study in Ireland because you don't need a visa there. Um, <laughs> you we do make it very easy though to study you know in other places around the world, even if you do need a student visa, and we are here to help you with that. Um, some benefits. Just to having a student visa is that you can work on a student visa. You can work um, up to 20 hours um, with uh, within term time. You can also apply through the, gra- the graduate visa route after you graduate, um, which is fantastic. But um, we ourselves are not immigration specialists, so we will definitely <laughs> help put you in touch with those who are to help you through the st- student visa process. Um, then uh, Chelsea, I'm going to hand it over to Chelsea to, um, for one more topic. All right. So I just wanted to clarify one thing and then add one thing that we didn't talk enough about. And again, this could be an entirely uh, separate podcast episode, I think. <laughs> so maybe one day. Um, but first of all, there are, I wanted to clarify that there are plenty of three-year degree options out there. And as we discussed before, um, James Cook University, University of Roehampton, University of Southampton, they're all three-year degrees. UCD does have three-year degree options, but the majority of our degrees are actually four years. So it really depends on what you're wanting to study. So I just wanted to clarify that it's a little bit different in Ireland. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I just wanted to add that important topic is affordability, because I think a lot of students and families and people in general assume that it will be more expensive to pursue a degree abroad, but it really isn't. And I know I used an example earlier of what it might cost with a a smaller international student scholarship, but really I think it's safe to say that if you are looking to stay in state for college and stay in the U.S. and stay in the state that you have residency, we're not going to be able to compete with you know tuition rates. But if you're already looking at going out of state, nine times out of 10, we are going to be cheaper than the majority of the universities that you're looking at for out-of-state tuition. At worst, we're going to be equivalent and sometimes cost of living in our cities and locations is is more affordable. So it's really important to uh, consider the entire picture. And then also it's important to look at exchange rates because that can be really favorable, for example, in Australia for U.S. students, too. And then passing it off to Mubsy um, to just kind of close this part. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. And I echo everything that Chelsea, Emma and Amanda have said. And I think the most important thing is, is that international education or studying internationally is something that really is a reality and something that is achievable for a high school student to go out of their comfort zone and go to Ireland, to the UK, to Australia and actually study their degree there. And Many of our universities will have amazing exchange um, agreements and study abroad opportunities. So you can be uh, an American student studying in the UK who's going off to Australia to 
to spend a, an entire year or semester studying. So you really do become international. We cannot stress that point. And it is a, an amazing opportunity for students to just get out there and, and actually earn a, a degree and gain new experiences. Um, it's very attainable for, for students to just go out there and, and just do it. And we encourage it. We will always, always, always promote international education because it is a fantastic experience well that's terrific i really appreciate everybody's input and your schools are so lucky to have each and every one of you as were we to have you here on this podcast episode unfortunately it does lead us to that last question which is what other advice would you have for students and their parents going through the college admissions process who wants to take this one first go ahead mubarak Thank you, uh, Jai. It's been amazing. It really has been fantastic. Um, but one one piece of advice um, that I will I will give is is research. Um, do as much research as possible. Um, if, even if you're starting as a freshman or a sophomore, and you just want to really understand what it's like, and it's it's amazing when we do have a, a sophomore or freshman who asks us you know questions about what it's like um the more research students and parents and anyone who's in that decision making process can do um the earlier the better and it, and it really does streamline that process um for families once they've done their research and you know asked all the questions that that they require and even if you do have to spend an hour and a half on the phone or in a meeting or in a coffee shop please just ask all the questions and no question is a wrong question or a bad question in that sense. Well, thank you so much, Mubarak, for all your time and help today. We really appreciate it. Who wants to take this question next? I think that's me. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to kind of piggyback on that. I would say no question is too big or too small, but also um, just to use us as resources, each of us here are in our roles to help students and to help families to understand the process of not just applying, um, but to understand, you know, how the university works, to understand the programs, to understand a little bit about the visa process even. Um, I mean, like I said, we're not experts, but we can definitely help <laughs> point them in the right direction. Um, but um, And all of us have had our own experiences abroad, um, whether it's living abroad, studying abroad, um, traveling abroad. So we can add, you know, we have, we have authentic experiences ourselves. So that would be my number one um, piece of advice is to really utilize us as a, as a resource. Well, we really appreciate all your time and efforts today, Amanda. Thank you so much. Chelsea, you're up. Thank you so much, John. We are all just unbelievably excited to be here. Um, and this is just such a cool opportunity. So thank you for allowing us to share all of thank this. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's really hard to follow Mubarak and, and Amanda there because <laughs> I think we all have the same thoughts here. Um, really just remembering that we are, like Amanda said, you know, we are people, we're here to help. We're based regionally as well. I wanted to kind of emphasize that you know we're we're closer to your if we're not in your time zone we're closer to your time zone <laughs> than the countries that we represent right so we're here to help you and i think i just wanted to drive home please don't be automatically intimidated by the process just because it may seem different it is different 
And for that reason, it could seem like it might be a little bit more stressful. But once you actually start the process and utilize your resources, as Amanda said, it could be less stressful opportunity uh, or application process rather than applying somewhere that could be up the road and familiar to you. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for that. You are truly awesome. I really appreciate your time and all of your efforts today. Emma, you're up. Thank you so much for having us, John. We're so grateful to have this opportunity to give you and your listeners all of the positive opportunities that international education can bring. We are here to help you every step of the way, just as my colleagues mentioned. And we truly hope that you take this opportunity to learn more about an international education abroad and know that your dreams truly are attainable to live, study, and work in another country through receiving a degree potentially at James Cook University, University College Dublin, University of Roehampton, and the University of Southampton. Thank you so much. Well, Emma, Chelsea, Amanda, and Mubarak, you guys were truly amazing. I'm so happy, as I know that this conversation is going to help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. I do want to have you all back again. Thank you for your time today. Take care, everyone. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to announce that we've teamed up with some fantastic affiliate partners to further enhance your overall college journey. So do you or someone you know need stylish dorm decor, trendy college apparel, or top-notch test prep? Whether it's creating a cozy home away from home, flaunting the latest in college apparel, or securing top-notch test prep help, we've got you covered. Check out our affiliate links in the show notes within each of these categories, which we believe will help you, our listeners. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast does get a small commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit you, our listeners. So check out the links in the show notes and share with anyone you think may benefit. Thank you all and best wishes.